How's it going, guys? Welcome back to the Dad Tired Podcast. I'm your host, Jared Lopes. Join me every Monday as we dive into what it looks like to be men who fall in love with Jesus and help our families do the same. You can learn more about our books, resources, conferences, and even online community by going to dadtired.com. Let's dive into today's episode. All right, guys. Well, welcome back to the Dad Tired Show. So glad that you're here. If you just stumbled upon us, we're glad that you found us. We're just a bunch of guys who are trying to figure out what it means to lead our family toward Jesus. I did a poll this week on Facebook and on Instagram, and I asked the guys in our Dad Tired community, do you feel confident and equipped as the spiritual leader of your home? And 70% of the guys who partook, partook, partake, partooken, partaken, <laughs> 70% of the guys who participated in the poll so that they do not feel confident and equipped as the spiritual leader of their home. Uh, and that, man, that's just, I'm, I'm kind of surprised by that, but it's just not really. I mean, most of us didn't have guys around who were teaching us what this looks like in real life now that we're dads and husbands. And so um, that's what we're trying to do as a ministry. We are trying to point guys towards Jesus and help them feel confident and equipped. The podcast is part of that. We're working on some other resources that are going to help you feel confident and equipped as the spiritual leader of your home. But we also have a free book, an ebook out that you can get online. It's totally free. It's 10 practical ways to start pointing your family to Jesus today. You can read it in one sitting. It's very easy to read and very, very practical. You can get that like right now for free by going to dadtire.com forward slash free book. Again, dadtire.com forward slash free book. Uh, and you can get that totally free resource. That way you can just, I mean, today, as of like right now, start stumbling your way towards leading your family towards Jesus uh, better and just feeling more equipped in that. So again, keep an eye out for things that are coming and uh, just stay tuned because we've got some big resources coming in the, in the coming months. But as of right now, there's a free one, dadtire.com forward slash free book, and you can start pointing your family to Jesus as of like this afternoon or this evening. By the end of today, you can be leading your family a little bit better than when you started today. Um, before we dive into today's episode, which I'm really excited about, it's with a couple called Ruth, called root named man my vocabulary is all over i haven't talked to adults other it's my my poor wife that's like the only person i've talked to during this quarantine uh that's not totally true but i do feel slightly foggy brained as i'm sure most of us uh most of you do that being said there's a couple that i have on the show today and i'm really excited about um ruth and troy simons they if you had a friend couple like we all have a couple friends that we've met they're like man can you just like you're wiser than me. You've been doing this longer than me. Can you just like point me uh, closer to Jesus? Can I just hang around you so I can learn, glean a little bit of your wisdom? That is Ruth and Troy. They just are, they just like flow wisdom out of everything they say. And you're really going to enjoy the interview. We'll get into all of that um, much deeper today, obviously in this interview. But before we dive into that, I do want to thank my friends over at Backgate Prayers for sponsoring this episode. Backgate Prayers has been a longtime sponsor of the Dad Tired Show, and they are by far one of the best companies that you can partner with to hook up your wife or your mother um, or maybe even your grandmother uh, or your kid's grandmother with a gift, in which, by the way, Mother's Day is like coming right now. Um, so it's coming up very, very quickly. Um, what they do is they make these prayer cards where you can put pictures of your kids or maybe your wife and your kids. You upload it to their website. They will take that and they will make 20 biblically-based, life-shaping prayer cards that will go. They, they make this nice wooden block that they go in and you put them in there. And then your wife and you 
um, can be praying for your kids all the time, or maybe for your mom uh, or your wife's mom, like the the grandkid, the grandparents of your kids. Um, they can be praying for their grandkids. It, th- these cards are just. I, we had one guy in the dad tired community give one of these to his wife last Mother's Day, and she said it was the most thoughtful gift she has ever received. A lot of times, dad tired guys get these for their wives, and they always just crush at just being the best gift. So go to backgateprayers.com, get your wife one of these prayer card sets, custom prayer card sets. You have to get them by April 27th if you want them to arrive by Mother's Day. So go right now, backgateprayers.com. That's back, B-A-C-K-G-A-T-E, backgateprayers, all one word, backgateprayers.com. By April 27th, make sure you place that order so you get them by Mother's Day, and then use the promo code DADTIRED, all one word, and you'll get a 10% discount. Thank you, Backgate Prayers. I love their ministry. I love what they're doing. We value prayer as leaders of our family, and so I just love that they give us tools to do that well. That being said, let's dive into today's interview with Ruth and Troy Simons. Ruth and Troy, so grateful that you decided to hang out with us today. For the audience who may not be familiar with what you guys are doing, maybe just tell us who you are and what you're up to these days. Thanks so much for having us. Um, We're Ruth and Troy Simons. I'm the founder of gracelace.com. We are parents to six boys. Um, The youngest is turning seven tomorrow and our oldest is 18. So we are both teaching phonograms and sending one to college. So that's kind (laughs) of going on at our house. And um, we are full-time with Grace Lace these days, but in previous seasons, um, Troy, my husband of almost 22 years, was a preaching pastor, a, a teaching pastor of a church that we had founded and a headmaster of a school that we had co-founded. So we've had different seasons of ministry, and currently we're so grateful to be um, ministering truth and beauty through gracelace.com and Troy freeing me up to um, do the work that I do through writing and speaking um, and yeah, we, we've been grateful to get to partner together in so many ways. And our current venture is that we're partnering together and um, doing a podcast together for parents, as well as a book that we co-wrote together called Foundations. So yes, that's what we've been up to. <laughs> yeah, I don't have much to add to that. So. <laughs> that was pretty concise. Huh? Yeah. Uh, t- t- she's done this before. Yeah, tell us a little <laughs> bit about Grace Lace. Just like go in a little bit more in depth on that for people who aren't familiar. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll give my best shot. She'd do a better job at it. But, uh, you know, when we were having kids and just really in the throes of starting churches and schools and a family, um, you know, she didn't have a whole lot of time for anything. But she, late at night, literally after we got the kids down, would just blog. Mm. And she wrote and wrote and wrote and wrote some really fantastic stuff. And people just really came to love what she was doing. And that turned into, you know, some Instagram stuff. And um, as her audience grew... She started to paint again, and when we met in college, she was uh, in the art program at University of New Mexico, and um, you know, it's kind of how I got to know her with paint all over her hands and always <laughs> doing some cool project, and so she kind of got back to that and uh, showcased that on her blog, and people went, you know, kind of crazy and wanted to buy it, so we started reproducing that, and uh, so she's she's always put out lots of great content, either. Uh, through writing, like constantly through writing, and then her art really took off. We send it literally all over the world, and um, as those things have grown, that turned into an opportunity for her to write, uh, get published with uh, her first publisher's Harvest House, and uh, she's put out uh, several books with them, and they've just been great to work with. And those books have done crazy well, 
and uh, yeah, the whole thing has just grown and grown. Well. Oh, so oh very good. I didn't know you were with Harvest House. Yeah, yeah they're great. They're in Oregon. Yeah, they're great. Yeah, so it's sweet to hear Troy share that because he's been alongside this journey the whole way. But you know, we we really just feel like it's been a privilege, and for those um, who are listening, whether you're a young mom or maybe a young dad supporting a young mom, but sometimes you think that your dreams are um, never going to be realized because you're in the throes of nursing a baby late at night, or you're dealing with preschoolers and you're like, I've got these gifts. How am I ever going to use this? And um, certainly that particular decade and a half where it didn't feel like anything was blooming, nothing was growing in some big spectacular way. I was doing good if I just folded that basket of laundry and yeah. tucked my kids in with a Bible story. And, um, you know, I know this is not, you didn't ask this question, but I'll just share this, that whenever I share the story of Grace Lace, I just want to always say, God never wastes any season that you're in. And so if you're in a season where you are just working hard to establish the foundation of your home, your family, you're working out marriage issues, you're working out raising little issues, just trying to schedule your whole family and um, stay afloat. Don't discount what you're learning in this season. And you never know how God will marry your giftings and the things that you love and desire to do with your hands and your mind and your heart, that he'll take those giftings and marry them to the things that you teach that he's teaching you in the seasons that feel so hard and sometimes wasted and they're not waste. And so, um, so we're a testimony to the fact that, um, God can give you various versions of, um, ministry and work in different seasons of your life. And, um, and in this particular season, that spotlight is a little bit more on me than it's on Troy. And in previous seasons, the spotlight's been on him, but in all seasons, we've grown together in the same thing of how do we adorn the gospel with anything we've got? And that might be through words or through artwork. Um, and so we're grateful to do that and hope that's an encouragement to your listeners. Yeah, that's super. And well, it's encouraging to me. I, and I'm, I imagine it'll be encouraging to a lot of people uh, who are listening. Um, I, I've heard you talk about before there, there's how so many people are living their life, believing that kind of the the next big thing is around the bend, right? Like they're just, if they can just get to right. the next thing, then they'll finally be happier. They'll finally be the person they've, they've always wanted to be. I'd love to hear you kind of expand on that. Cause I feel, I feel caught in that personally. And I've, I've met so many guys who are just like, man, if I could just get my kids to be this way or start to behave or have first time obedience, or if I can just get this raise or get this much money in my savings or whatever it is, that's kind of the goal that we're getting at. And uh, and yet that, it kind of seems like the uh, the rainbow that you can never find the end of, right? It's, it's never know when that bend is coming. But I'd love to hear your hearts on why you guys say that so often. Yeah, that's uh, that's a great way to describe it. And I think that's I think that's just a constant pressure on everybody. And I, I, I have to imagine that that's one of Satan's favorite tools because he, he's essentially keeping us not in the present. And, um, you know, he's the master of like putting idolatry before us. And I think that at the core of that desire to like, oh, if I can just get to this point and just get to that point, um, and it's it being more than just a goal, you know, a goal, something that you work toward and you have measurables. And I think that's one of the antidotes for like kind of overcoming that vicious trap of always thinking like the next thing is the, is the thing that's going to kind of satisfy and make you happy. You've got to, you got to be present. You got to be right where you are and say, Lord, what are you doing in my life today? And, and how would you have me to serve you today? And, you know, a day that is successfully lived out in obedience to the Lord and what he's given you to do today 
is a day that will build toward that larger goal, right? Mm-hmm. And instead of it becoming idolatry that, you know, oh man, I'm, I, I would never admit it, but I'm actually worshiping the idea that when we get to move to such and such place, or I get to start such and such job, or we, you know, hit whatever number in our bank account or whatever, there's just kind of always that, that thing that's out there that entices our hearts. That's, that's a, that's a hard thing to fight against. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but seizing, seizing the day that the Lord has given and, and saying, what is it, what does it look like for me to obey the Lord today and do the best with what I have mm-hmm. and recognize that each day lived <laughs> obediently is a day that you're making progress, becoming yeah. that, that person you need to be. That's a good word, man. Uh, you guys have been married a while. You got some years under your belt. Uh, Layla and I just celebrated 10 years. We did a big party for our 10-year anniversary. We said every 10 years, we're going to throw a huge party for all our friends, which uh, t- turned out to be more expensive than our wedding. So I don't know how sustainable that, that is. Um, yeah, but so you guys got some years under your belt. Uh, I'm curious, how much would you guys say like you're, you're similar in your personalities? Are you pretty different, opposite in your personalities? How would you describe your personalities in marriage? Hmm. Well, I think you're most couples will find that, you know, you're drawn together because you have the same paradigm for like life goals, trajectory, you share the same heartbeat for what you really long for. But what probably made you a couple was that you're really opposites in a lot of ways. And um, and so Troy and I would say, we're both like a little melancholy, a little philosophical. We love to get in deep and no, and not talk about like surfacey things. And so th- we have those things in common, but man, are we so different? And those differences certainly cause a lot of tension in, you know, ev- everything from how we remodel a bathroom to writing a book together to yeah. um, even our early five years of marriage were really, really hard because, um, you know, some, some just real, simple markers of how we're different is, you know, Troy's an internal processor. I'm a verbal processor. Troy um, needs time to think through things. I love to get to it and decide quickly and make decisions. Um, I measure success by very, very visible, trackable, um, checklist kind of ways. Troy measures success in a lot of heart ways. Um, I think that Troy loves to um, invest in things that are very invisible, which sounds really beautiful unless it's hard to know what those things are sometimes. And (laughs) for me, I love to invest in things that are immediate and immediately gratifying. And um, that might mean that I think it's great to slap some paint on a wall, even if you're not doing it very well, just get it done. And Troy's like, wait, we got to get out the the tape to make sure that we're getting the edges just right. And it's not because I'm not a perfectionist. It's that I love getting things done. And so as you can imagine, any project um, shifts a little bit, you know, it's a little bit difficult when we have to look at the way the other um, deals with and handles um, expectations and all that stuff, you know. I, I have found that, you know, the ways in which we are alike, it's, it's nice sometimes because you've got enough reciprocity that you don't have to like explain stuff. Right. But then the ways in which we are alike means that there's areas where we're not as strong, like neither one of us are strong in organization mm. and not terribly yeah. and that, that bites us in the, in the butt so much, you know? And so we're both visionaries. We're both yeah. visionaries mm. who like can like absolutely see where we're going. And I, just by nature of what we've had to do, him leading a, 
a staff of teachers as he was a headmaster, me um, running a company and leading a group of women that work under me. That's taught us leadership. And we, of course, delegate and lead and all those things. But neither of us are at are the ones who want to deal with spreadsheets at home yep. or you know organize the pantry both of us really want to go climb that mountain and tell about it you know <laughs> and so um, you got to you got to have somebody who will like say hey we're going to do the the hard work of organizing and budgeting and being really specific about things and so we've we've had to learn and grow in those and areas. and you know maybe the best lesson that we've learned in those 22 years is we used to not talk about it quite like this. I think we were still expecting the other to be somebody other than we are. Mm. And it's hard to get to that point where you say, you know what, you're never going to be an expert at this and I'm going to have to be okay with that. Like, let's find a way, let's put our heads together and think about how to crack the nut here. Mm. Because if you're not great at it and I'm not great at it, well, then we need to make a plan for how to just make sure that it gets done well. Mm. And, you know, in business things, we've been able to hire people who come in and bring incredible strengths. And we're like, wow, that looks so easy <laughs> yeah. because, you know, we bring somebody in who's that's, that's their skill set, And um, so it takes, I think a lot of creativity in marriage to, first of all, just understand the differences and just be okay with the differences. And that's not to say that you just write it off like, Oh, I'm not good at that. So I'm never going to do it. Mm, well, that's actually not an option most of the time, right. you know what I mean? Unless you're independently wealthy and you can just start hiring people left and right to take care of all the stuff that you're not good at. But but I think working as a team instead of like kind of beating one another up, like this isn't getting done and having a cow, you know, I mean, we did a lot, we did, and I'm afraid yeah. we still do a our, lot our of that. Fair of, you know, blaming or fussing because something isn't just the way we want it to yeah. be because we're expecting the other to be somebody that isn't going to step into that role as well as we we want. And so, um, both learning how to encourage the other person to grow and change, because even while you say, Hey, we need to recognize that the other person, that person you married may never be good at something. I would also say in the 22 years that we've been married, we've also seen the effect of encouraging one another to become more than we are. We already are. And so in so many ways, it's also the, you know, rather than, um, guilting the other person through putting expectations and nagging and fussing about it. There's also the positive of saying, I see God at work in you. I'm going to encourage this in you. I'm seeing how much it, it makes such a difference in our family when you express and when you lead and when you don't make us read your mind. And, and then that person steps into becoming better at those things. Yep. So change is possible. It's not that we're saying we don't change. It's that we don't change by simply expecting the other person to step up. Yep. That's good. Uh, I'd love to transition to, I mean, you, you've, uh, you're homeschooling uh, as we all are right now, but that's not new for you. You guys have been doing this whole school thing. You guys kind of, you got a lot of experience under your belt when it comes to school. Um, but I guess for all the people who have suddenly found themselves homeschooling for the first time, <laughs> uh, what would you tell the, how, what would you say to encourage them as they're just home trying to educate their kids now and continue to raise disciples now that they're home and maybe not at school all day? Oh, I would say uh, maybe the very first thing is just embrace the moment. You know, I think everybody with this crazy quarantine and just, you know, the question mark of like, when is this going to end? It's really easy to just kind of project forward and say, Oh, when we get to go back out to eat, when we get to go back to the, to the job and that sort of thing, that's when life is going to start again. I mean, we've been dealt a hand that we really have to play through it. And 
I think most people are probably really not enjoying it. I know Ruth and I go back and forth about, about, you know, the, the situation and we're just like, this is so hard. Well, and it's not even really right to call it homeschooling right now. Everybody's crisis home crisis schooling, right? right. Even those who've chosen homeschooling, this is not the way it usually feels right. to do homeschooling. Usually you can go on field trips. You can meet with friends. You have reprieve. You're not eight people in the same house for 40 days together. Right. Yep. And so it's not quite like that. Um, but you know, I think Troy and I were working through these thoughts recently, even on our bonus episode on our podcast about tips on having a fruitful day when you're stuck in, you're trying to survive crisis schooling. And I think one of the things that Troy shared that I think is so good, and I'll let you kind of step into a little bit more is, is really like using the opportunity to measure success differently and to not be caught up with thinking that you are currently trying to keep up the same pace that you your kids or you were in a month ago. This is not the same environment. This We shouldn't expect the same amount of productivity and we shouldn't expect that we suddenly know how to teach algebra or fractions. And, and we got to measure success a little bit differently. Go ahead and share a little on that. Yeah. I mean, the difficult thing here is that there are a lot of parents who are just faced with getting through like a body of work between now and somewhere, somewhere around June 1. Yeah. And uh, you know, it may be brand new stuff to them. They may have no idea how to teach. And the difficulty is that in the midst of all of that task that you have to do, there's this pressing question of what does it mean to be a learner and a lifelong learner at that, you know? And, and I think parents maybe in a, in a unique way, maybe for the first time ever are reckoning with whether or not their kids are learning to be learners or if they're mm. just, you know, on the treadmill kind of you know, banging out the material. Right. And so there's some neat opportunities for conversation with your kids about like what it means to be in a process all the time of learning, you know, learning about the world, learning from God's word, learning uh, in the process of going through your math or whatever it is. And, um, you know, so hopefully that's some of the background conversation, but then I think the other thing, and we share this in the, the little bonus episode that we did on the podcast, it's really important for parents to, to recognize that their kids have been on a journey and all of a sudden like you got bust to their location and now you're on the journey with them. Mm. And instead of coming in and just saying like, okay, well, this is what we're going to do. It's great to say, Hey, so tell me what you have been doing mm. so that I can understand and I can kind of join you in this. Um, it's not, you know, a, a teacher who comes in and comes across as the, as the one who just knows everything and the one with all the answers is usually a lot less effective than the teacher who comes in and says, I want to know what you know. And we're going to start at that point. We're going to move forward. We're going to kind of work through that. So, but I think that's something that in interesting that we can either see as like just a really annoying byproduct of, um, of staying at home, or we can see it as an opportunity is the fact that whether it's in the context of schooling or just the fact that you're at home with the same people sharing the same Wi-Fi bandwidth for this whole time is that it really is revealing a lot of, you know, I, I, I don't mean to use this word, but I will, even though it's the name of our book, it really reveals what your foundations are, right? Yeah. It really reveals what you as a family have been building your joy and your happiness and your hope on. And so I think whether it's in schooling where, because the, the true, the real question is, and I mean, I'm, I'm hoping that some, someone listening right now is nodding their heads and going, yes, totally. But you might even be at like going, well, Troy, I'm not even thinking about how to teach math. I just can't believe my kids don't even listen to me. Like my kids are so disobedient. This is like so terrible. They're like 
throwing a fit and crying all the time. Wow. This is a time where we don't just go and try to fix each other. We look and go, oh, well, all the stress, all the disappointment, all the sadness, all the fear is revealing something in, in, in all of us. Mm. It's revealing something in us as parents. It's revealing things in our kids. It's revealing what makes us happy. And yes, the circumstances might be drawing out some of that frustration and the impatience, but it also might be an opportunity for us to assess what have we been busy about as a family? Mm. What have we, like, are we struggling with having a conversation because we never have conversations? Are we struggling to like look each other in the eye and actually do stuff together because we don't actually enjoy each other or we've been holding on to a bitter thing or we have a grudge against somebody in this home? You know what I mean? So like there's, there is an opportunity to reestablish and reassess what's really at the heart of why we get up in the morning. And so this is the perfect time to actually have that conversation, not just about what we're learning at school, not just about how we're going to get through this, but wow, why does our faith matter in this moment? I would just add to that too. You know, if, if you think about, um, and I grew up going to, you know, school, I didn't, I didn't do school at home. Ruth was the same. You know, we went, we had to learn our algebra and we had to, you know, do our English lessons and read hard books and that sort of thing. But, you know, so much of what you come away from that school time with is the relationship struggles that you learn from, mm. the personal discipline issues that you learn from. And I think, you know, families having all of that brought home in an instant, it's really a great opportunity to see things maybe like you've never seen them before to look and say, Oh man, you know, Johnny's, Johnny's not got a great process here. And I, I could really help him with some discipline. I could help him manage his schedule. And, um, you know, and in the midst of being away from all those friends, maybe it's an opportunity for me to talk to him about, about who he is as a friend. And, you know, there's so many things that can kind of just be put on the anvil as we've got them like under our more direct attention, things that usually are under the care of you know, other teachers and, and people who don't necessarily have our, <laughs> our same perspective or our same goals. Right. So it's really as difficult as this is, I think it's a, it's a wonderful opportunity that parents have been afforded to see their kids in a new light and yeah. do some work that maybe is hard for them to do sometimes. Yeah. Um, you, there's a lot of families, there are a lot of families who look to you guys as in many ways, kind of mentors from afar. I know people follow you and listen to you and read your books and listen to the podcast and follow on social media and really kind of watching and modeling what they're seeing that you guys are living out and trying to do as you follow Christ. Uh, what would you say, like outside, if you kind of set the quarantine stuff aside, what, what would you say as you're working with families and couples and young parents, like, what would you say is the biggest challenge that you think people are facing, young couples, young marrieds, young parents are facing in 2020? I don't know if you and I would have the same answer, but I'll, I'll go first yeah, on this. I think the number one thing that we're facing is distraction mm. and, um, and numbing ourselves with our distractions. Mm. I think that for the last 10 years with the, the on, um, onslaught of blogging and social media and all those things, which I am grateful for. I mean, I would not have a writing career had I not had opportunities, opportunities to share that work. So it's not that there's anything inherently evil with um, social media or um, the digital age, right? But we have seen more parents physically present 
but mentally and emotionally not present at all. And so I think that, you know, the number one thing that we're facing is likely that um, both in, and I won't nerd out on this, but both in like doctrinally what gospel actually is to what the family is. We are, we're at a time where appear we can appear to look like we're holding all things together really well, but it's just a shell. And we're also distracted that there's not real substance to it. Yeah. So families could actually be all sitting in the same room, but everybody's on their phones. And ultimately there's no substance to that relationship. Just like we can all be touting a bunch of scripture on our social media feeds, throwing out these little nice platitudes, but there's no substance to our actual genuine understanding of God's word or mm-hmm. our beliefs. And so I guess if I would sum that all up, I would just say parents were in danger of passing on something that almost looks like the real thing, but not the real thing mm. because of our distractions. Mm. I think that's a great answer. And I would, I would echo all of that. And I think if there's an underlying like fundamental core problem, it's that we're, we're struggling with the idea of like what our mission is. <laughs> you know what I mean? We've in, in the distraction, I think we've let go of the need to define ourselves as, you know, as followers of Christ, as those who love God and love people. And when you recognize that that is the goal, then with that in the forefront of your mind, you really can't pick up your phone as often as you do. Mm. You can't sit at the dinner table and, and surf, you know, the internet or Instagram or, or whatever. (laughs) I'm I'm not a, I'm not a big electronics guy. I know there's like 50,000 apps that that (laughs) like command our attention. And if you stop and say, well, I'm actively not spending time with my family, which the Lord wants me to, I'm, I'm actively not uh, speaking truth to them. We're not discussing the word, you know, we're just, we're just coexisting together, but there's really the mandate of love for God and love for other people as our mission, as, as Christ followers that defines so many things. And when you start with that, then you, then you have to go on to the strategy, right? What is what is the strategy of getting to that end? And anything that gets in the way of that has got to be peeled off. So I think that clarity of thinking gets extra muddled when we are so distracted. We just are entertaining ourselves, like Neil Postman's book, like entertain, or amusing ourselves to death. Mm. And and he wrote that book before the internet. I don't know if you're familiar with that, that book or not. It's crazy. I haven't read it. I've heard that. And uh, that's just insane. Yeah. It's I've, a must. I've yeah. heard John Mark Homer, I think, reference that in one of his recent talks or books, but yeah, it's, it's Seminal incredible work. Yeah. 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 Um, along those lines, as, as we kind of wrap up here um, with what you were just saying, kind of the, the distraction stuff and just getting back to, okay, the, our mission to love God, to love others and anything else like peeling away, anything else that doesn't make sense for that. Uh, as you guys raise six boys who you are um, partnering with God to raise disciples who, by His grace, love Him deeply and are on mission to with His redemption of the world. Um, I, I guess if you could put into your own words, as mom and dad, like of six boys, what's the end goal? Like when the boys go off and they're no longer living at your house, what what do you want to say? And what would you say is like, man, we we've done well if this happens. Hmm. Well, I, you know, the, the answer is one that I can't produce the, the answer, what I want, what Ruth wants. And I think it's what God wants is for them to be saved, yep. right. For them to be completely made new 
by the gospel, by the spirit of God at work in them. And that's the decision that not even they get to make. Like, I, I think God leads people to that. But I think if there's one job that we have is that they have to know what that is. They have to know what it means to love God. They have to know the gospel. Mm. And I've, I've told people before, like, if my boys leave my house and they walk away from the faith, they're at least going to know what they're walking away from. Mm. Which is to say, if they have some just kind of, you know, shallow, shadowy Christianity that they've that they've been given, then they're not walking away from substance. But if they have been presented with with God of the God of the the Bible and presented it in a way where it's like it's clearly who Ruth and I live for. And when we break his rules, like we repent in front of them and and just Christ is the hub of our entire lives then for them to walk away from that is to kind of walk away from everything that we've tried to build them on. And my hope is just like the proverb says, you know, when, when he's old, he, he won't, he won't forget it may walk away, but they will, they will realize that who God is, is seen everywhere and everything that he has made shows his glory. I think it will turn them inside out. That's Mm -hmm. my, that's my hope. So that faithfulness in loving the Lord myself and being diligent to, teach them the gospel to make them disciples and pray that God grants them saving faith. Mm. I can't say that better, but I will say another thing that, you know, Jared asked us, will it make you feel like, Oh, I did well. Well, that's my ultimate answer. What you just said, but let me just get real shallow real quick and say, (laughs) I'd also really love for my kids to not waste their time watching TV shows and playing video games and have good sense. Like I don't like, I, my, my boys ask me all the time, like my older son, he's like, if I um, go away to Europe next year, um, I might have to call you to ask you if I should roll up my pants a certain way. And I'm like, oh, please, honey, let me help you not look like a goofball in, you know, because guys have a tendency to like stop paying attention to fashion things. So I'll just be honest and say, I'd really love my six boys to at least have a little bit of sense of like um, how to stay on track a little, you know, yeah. with if skinny jeans fall out of fashion, you know, they don't go that skinny, you know? So I just had to throw that in there that there's a part of me that's like, I hope they leave my house at least having good taste in what to do with their free time, good taste in food that they actually like know how to go try out all sorts of new foods and, and have somewhat good taste in like what they choose to wear and not wear and and do their laundry. and stuff. Well, and I think what she's getting at is that, you know, we, we strive to build a family culture. We really do. And all those little nuancey details, all the fun stuff of food and fashion and all that. I mean, that's just part of who we are as the Simons family. And we, you know, we want to be deliberate to pass all of those things on. And, you know, a lot of that, they're going to say, okay, well, that was fine for mom and dad. That's really not going to be my thing. (laughs) And, uh, and, you know, they'll kind of go, go their way and do what they do. But we, boy, we really hope that even for the things that they don't follow us in, I hope they'll follow that same pattern Mm. that the things that they do value, the things that they do love, are the things that they will be deliberately passing on to their children. Yeah. Just and, to be intentional about yeah, things. Being you know, intentional. like the Christian life isn't just, wow, what do I have between my ears here, like in my head and in my heart? It is that. But the Christian life is one where you enjoy all these other things. Like because of Christ, you enjoy the food that you eat, you enjoy the music that you listen to, you determine what you're going to do on weekends because of who Christ makes you become and how you end up wanting to use your time. And so, you know, I definitely would say, you know, if I was answering that question, 
absolutely what Troy said. It is that it's that we want them to know Christ and to live for him. And so all my little like silly, more superficial answers would come as that, the, the, the fruit of, Hey, if they really live for Christ, they might use their weekends a little differently than the, the culture. And they might um, dress and eat and operate with, with an enjoyment that isn't um, either licentious or obligatory. And they won't feel like, like life is a drudgery that they would mm. enjoy life because of Christ. Mm. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, I think your uh, shallow answer is about rolling your pants and what's, you know, that, that's okay. <laughs> uh, I, I think uh, I, I was thinking about how we're trying to create learners, right? Kids who learn how to learn. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, right. so hopefully they'll learn how to learn the fashion and where, you know, how to right, get around right. a city and what's, but <laughs> all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but both of those answers were beautiful. I appreciate that. I guess to wrap up here for, for the dad who's listening, who's just like, um, and maybe this is going back a little bit to what you said, Troy, just like I, I lost sight of the mission. Like, what am I doing here? I'm just tired all the time. I'm working. I'm just trying to pay the bills. I'm living one paycheck to the next. My my marriage might seem like it's surviving, but we're not thriving. Like, I'm just tired and I'm trying to figure it out. Um, what would mm-hmm. you say? What would you guys say to the tired dad who's listening as just a word of encouragement? Um, You'll never be happier than when you're, making progress toward loving God more and you will never be more winsome to those around you in your family than when you're exhibiting godliness. Mm. Now I I know that there's, there's a side to that where godliness pushes some people away, but it does it for the right reasons. Mm. Right. And so you can't turn on a dime and be godly overnight. Right. Um, I love GK Chesterton. You can't grow a beard in a moment of passion. Mm. (laughs) In other words, start today start today, like just be dead honest before God and say, man, I am a slacker loser. I've been messing it up with my wife and with my kids and with my everything, but I believe you've got grace for that, right? Starting with that confession is saying today, what today is yours, do with me as you will. And then the next day, do the same thing and read your Bible and pray. And as you, as he starts to teach you things, right, you start to earn a voice and you can you can gently start to share those things with your family. You know, don't, don't turn a little victory in a day into the lesson for the family. Cause they're not going to see it. Mm. It's something that, that requires that you walk a road for a while and, and earn a voice. And when they start seeing change and they ask questions, you know, there's, there's Peter, um, always be prepared to give the reason for the hope that you have. Let the hope grow by pursuing it a day at a time. And as they start to see some change and some difference, when you do say something, it's going to have a greater impact. So I, you know, take a day at a time, be right where you are and be deliberate and intentional with what the Lord's given you right now and watch him build. And I'll just say that, you know, whether this be for the tired dad or the tired mom, um, I think the, the reality is I seen in Troy, there have been seasons where we both felt beat down. And it could be that we both felt beat down at the same time. It could be that I saw it in him and he was going through something where he was just really, really worn by outside or by internal things. He was just worn. But I I think one of the things that we've been um, instructed to do, we can see the pattern in the psalmist. We can see the pattern in the apostle Paul, who no doubt was tired from his travels, from his missionary work, from being misunderstood, from being beaten and imprisoned and all those things. 
that ultimately we start with recounting what we have in Christ. Um, ultimately, the only reason why Paul can say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, isn't that his circumstances change. So for the tired mom and the tired dad, um, we can either just rehearse and keep on recounting all the ways we're tired to one another. We can look at each other and just be like, man, I'm so tired of remodeling. I'm so tired of not having money. I'm so tired of that child not obeying, right? We could keep saying that. And yeah, that's validating and it's true. And we might want to actually name those things, but we can't stay there. We can't stay there. The apostle Paul does not. And the, the psalmist through all the Psalms never sits there and just laments only doesn't just complain and just recount the ways in which he's tired. He ultimately goes back to the truth of God's word and what has been accomplished on his behalf and what he has in glory now, what he has through Christ and ultimately rehearses that to himself. And so my encouragement, and I think I see this in Troy too, when we as a family are beat down or when I come and I just fuss at all the things that I'm tired about, um, Troy always says, well, let's just start with what we know. Let's start with what we know. Let's start with what we know is true. And usually he follows up by saying, and I'm going to go downstairs and put 15 minutes on the treadmill mm. and pray and walk. And so you do one thing, you take that first step. And if we look at Paul and say, wow, this is a man who disciplined his body and like told him his body, who's boss. Most of us don't feel that heroic. Like sometimes we're like, I can't do it. I don't know how to do that. But just start with first telling your mind and your heart what to believe. Start there. Do as the psalmist says and say, soul, stop being downcast. Um, put your hope in God. Mm. And so for the tired moms and tired dads, put your hope in God first and foremost, and let your body and all the other things that you need to do today follow suit because you will have right living if you have right believing. Mm. Super encouraging. Appreciate that answer. Ruth, uh, what would you say is the most, as you watch Troy, you know, step into and stumble his way forward of trying to be the spiritual leader of your family and lead the boys well. What is like most attractive to you mm -hmm. when he steps into that role? I think he is most heroic, most inspiring, most makes me want to like jump up and the whole family, like go conquer everything when he's humbly acknowledges where it's hard, mm. when he's vulnerable so there have been times when he's at the dinner table and he gets weepy mm. and he actually like tears up and tells the boys where his regrets are, what, what things are hard. He confesses to the boys the way he yelled at me and repented and has to change course. And from there, we pay attention and we listen. Mm. It's from that point of vulnerability that he can say, and therefore as a family, therefore as a follower of Christ, I want to start putting this into practice. Therefore, I want to start obeying this. Therefore, we're going to read this passage. The therefore starts mattering because you start with a vulnerable confession of how the Lord is impacting him personally. So I think that there really is strength and weakness. I think for all the dads who are wanting to lead, all the wives who are annoyed if their husband isn't leading, mm -hmm. um, I think the reminder there is, Let's stop expecting heroic, like the heroic man, the leaderly man to look like the perfect man. Mm. Um, let's start by saying it's we're sinners. We're two sinners that said I do. And we're two sinners that are coming together who both need Jesus to be Lord in his or her life. 
And it's only by us coming together and putting Jesus first and the gospel central that we can lead it all. And so my best way to come alongside and support Troy in leading is by praying over him, by encouraging him, by reminding him of the gospel, because the gospel will do the work to convict. And he will ultimately show strength in leading our family by being weak first and confessing that before the Lord. Man, you guys have both pointed me closer to Jesus. I know you will do the same for those who are listening. I'm so grateful that you took the time out of your busy schedules to come and encourage us. Uh, for those listening, uh, Ruth and Troy have put out a book, Foundations, 12 Biblical Truths to Shape a Family. It's so good, and it's beautiful, uh, and it's it's not only a book that you're going to want to read, but you're also just want to keep out for others to look at. I love that you guys put in that uh, like a guest signing uh, some pages mm-hmm. there. So when you have guests over, we uh, do a thing in our family where we try to have a hundred people over for a year for dinner. Uh, oh, and, and we always take yeah. up Polaroid pictures and put those on the wall after dinner. And so this is just another cool way of capturing people coming over. But the book is great. I highly recommend you guys get that. It's wherever books are sold, your favorite uh, online re- retailer or bookstores. Um, and then you guys also have that podcast out, the Foundations podcast that you've uh, released that's also amazing. So definitely go over there and subscribe. But Troy, Ruth, thank you guys. I'm grateful that you took the time to hang out with us today. It's been a blessing. Yeah, thanks, Jared, for having us, man. We appreciate thank you for being the on the work show. that you do, Jared. Yep. Thank you.